Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. You have been on a relentless journey for unconditional grace teachings for a while now, haven't you? Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. We are chosen to confound the false wisdom of the commercial teachings of men. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend and fellow guardian, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. We're glad you're here. You're the ones who make everything awesome. And I believe that we've got a, a question right off the bat, didn't they? I know we're going to do a little bit more about Father Abraham, but didn't some guy... Yeah, we got a few questions about the Abraham podcast. Okay. The, the Father Abraham. Let's see. Wrote down one of them, or I printed it. Oh, this guy James wrote, Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And uh, let's see. He sent that at 221, doesn't say a.m. or p.m., but anyway, it's a good question, James. <laughs> thank you for... Uh, that's for funny, me. Bill. Let me interrupt you for a second. That's just too funny. It didn't say a.m. or p.m. because it's a Bible verse out of the book of James. James wrote, James 2.20 asked that question. That's a Bible verse. <laughs> yes, sir. Ooh. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. We thank you, James, for sending in such a great question. The age-old question, it's been asked five million times since you wrote it. It was what led to the Protestant Reformation, actually. That very question, faith without works is dead. Yeah, exactly. Martin Luther called the book of James a straw-y epistle because of this verse. Of that verse. He wanted to remove it from the, from the Bible. Yeah. And I wouldn't say because of that verse. I would say because of a misunderstanding about that verse. We'll finish up looking at Abraham's life and you will see this passage about faith without works is dead is actually a beautiful thing. It does harmonize with Paul's letters. There's not a contradiction when you see what James is saying. Right. He harmonizes with Paul perfectly. The two guys are on the same wavelength. Should we start with some of the apparent contradictions? Yeah, let's do that. And maybe some definitions too would help. During this, we're looking at James chapter 2, say verses 14 and following. You want me to read them? Yeah, if you want to. Let me read. I'll read 14 through 26. Just okay. read it. Okay. And then we'll go back and pick it apart. Okay. Verse 14 of James 2, chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Question mark. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you said to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, 
what good is that? So also, faith by itself does not have works. It is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers, and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That verse 26 is very telling. Yeah, and my gosh, has this passage been used to, to pump up legalism and to say this absolutely shows that there's that grace is bogus. The idea of living by God's power is bogus, but, oh, yeah. but it's not. It's the mis most misunderstood passage in the Bible. But when you actually take the time to look at it and maybe look at a couple of the Greek definitions and get a handle on what is being said, it's a thing of beauty. It's just like... It enhances Paul's whole thesis. That's a uh, scholarly word, Steve. It means mm. <laughs> his thoughts. You don't know what that means, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, yeah, just, I just want yeah, to throw it, it does, in there. It does go right along with Paul's it, thesis, which is, apart from God, you can do nothing. It harmonizes, but to me it also completes Paul's thought, because his thought is that it's the faithfulness of Christ, or rather his point is that it's the faithfulness of Christ. That's Paul's point. And then James comes, and he seems to make a contradiction by saying, no, it's all about works. And it's not a contradiction at all. We're going to find out it's, it's actually a completion. Of the thought. Of the thought, yeah. Yeah, of how Jesus' faithfulness to complete God's plan works. There's your word, works. How that faithfulness works it out, we will see. First thing I think we have to do is look at this word works that's in there that everybody clings to so hard. And they say, see, it's all about your works. What you do. Yeah. Let's ask, number one, is it works like Jesus said and greater works than these you will do? He said, believe on me because of the works that I do, meaning the miracles that I do and greater miracles you'll do because I'm going to the Father. Works. He uses the word works. Believe in me because of the works that I do, the miracles. Now, is James talking about miracles? We're all in, in Not, a bad boat if he is because I've, I've never done a miracle. I can't say I've done a miracle either. 
Yeah, that leaves us out. That leaves most everybody on this planet out. If you think that doing miracles was the saving work, remember James said, can such a work save you? That there's a saving work and an unsaving work. If you thought that we were talking about works of miracles, a lot of us aren't saved. A lot of us aren't saved. We're lacking there. Yeah. But Paul himself in Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer the live, but the life that's lived out in the body is lived out by the faithfulness of Christ. And he says it's the faithfulness of Christ because he had just told you in Galatians 2, you know, 14, 15, that by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. No human being on this planet will ever be justified by works of the law. So James obviously isn't talking about works of the law. Or he would be at odds. Or he would be at odds. But he's not talking about that. Right. When you're interpreting a passage, you have to interpret that passage and take the Bible as a whole to make sure it fits in the Bible as a whole. If you had Paul talking and saying that works of the flesh will justify no one, and you're thinking in James that, oh, James is talking about works of the flesh, you'd have to say, no, I'm interpreting it wrong. Because Paul already said, I would be interpreting it wrong if I was to go with the idea of works of the flesh. Let's look at another way in which the idea of works could be used. In in Hebrews, maybe 6.1, the writer of Hebrews is saying that we should repent from dead works or works that lead to death. We obviously, for the sake of being able to interpret James right, we need to know what they're speaking about in the book of Hebrews. That's logical because James wouldn't be promoting something that led to dead works. Exactly. If we're looking at this passage in James and we want to get a handle on it, and he said there's saving works and unsaving works, saving faith and unsaving faith, we want to know what unsaving works would be in works that Hebrews is telling us to repent of, we surely know that James is not talking about those type of works. No, they're just the name dead works <laughs> gives it all. And can such faith save you? When Paul says, I think it's in Romans 4, he says that having been justified by Christ's death, how much more shall we be saved by his life? life. And that's present participle. Yes, and that does not contradict James. And we'll go on. We'll push on and you'll see why. Look at the idea of works of the flesh, of our human nature. We know from past podcasts that this is going to get destroyed. But Paul said, we know that by works of the flesh, we know that by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. 
no flesh will be justified by works of the law. Why? Because Romans 8, 7 says, the flesh will not subject itself to the laws of God. The flesh will not ever, ever obey the laws of God. It says it's not even able to do so. Not even able to do so. So when God said to Abraham, go out of this land to the land of Ur, or the land of the Chaldeans, Abraham started messing up right then and there. He brought his cousin, and he was not supposed to bring any relatives because his flesh would not subject itself to what God was commanding him. So it's not works of the flesh. Matter of fact, I'm just going to boldly come out and say the word works is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what work you're doing. We're going to see from the story of Rahab the harlot and the story of Abraham, which we have begun to know quite a bit about in recent podcasts, we're going to see how those two stories are illustrative of what James is talking about when he's talking about works. It it just doesn't matter what the work is. And Abraham does something really goofy. I'm sure you wouldn't catch me as a parent doing this and Rahab something else too, but just get it out of your head that faith without works, the idea of it being some sort of work that saves you, you need to get that out of your head because there's no works defined that can save you. There's no works defined in the Bible. What he was told to do was pagan. Yeah. Where he came from, that was a pagan ritual that sometimes they would do. He was told to sacrifice his son, kill his son. Yes. Let's go over Abraham's life real quick. At 76, God took him out of the tent and said, count the stars because that's how many children you would have. And Abraham goes, how would I know that? Because Eleazar's my, the only person that can give birth to a son for me. Abraham started arguing from the very beginning with God. God credited it to him as righteousness, even though the righteousness wasn't showing itself at all. And that's what James was saying. Show me your faith by what you do, and I'll show you my faith by what I don't do. Well, Abraham was showing his unbelief by his arguments. Exactly. And then he gave his wife to a king to be raped and sodomized. After that, he had sex with his maid. And right now he's about 90, 99, somewhere in there. He has sex with his maid because his wife gave him the maid to have sex with. Then he gets into a hundred and God comes through and gives him a son named Isaac. Isaac. Thirteen more years go by and Abraham, the person that James is making an illustration of, has not done one thing right. We're talking 36 years 
Abraham has gotten it all wrong. Never did a, a single thing right. In contrast to that, Rahab the harlot said, I believe in the God of Israel and immediately hid the spies. Her faith was active immediately. Abraham's faith was inactive or inoperative for 36 years. And I need us to take a good look at how James is using the idea of our faith, our saving faith or our not saving faith, our living faith or our dead faith. How is he using this word faith? Because he says in Rahab the harlot, faith immediately started working. And I'm telling you that what she was doing is really irrelevant. In Abraham, it took 36 years for his faith to start working, right? Without faith, without works, faith is dead. Well, it was dead. Now, let's look at how James is using the word faith, how he's used the word faith throughout the whole letter of James. James is not using faith as a human-driven faith. It's, it's not originating from his human effort or his human nature. He is talking about the faith like it was mentioned in 2 Timothy 1.5 where it says, ever since I've heard about your sincere faith, which lived in your grandmother, what was her name? Lois or mm -hmm. Eunice. Yeah. And also lived in your mother Eunice. And I am sure it lives in you. Remember, James was saying, is it a living faith or a dead faith? Well, in Second Timothy, he's taught, describing what a living, living faith. faith is. And a living faith is, it, for one, it's part of the fruits of the Spirit. It, it is something to do with the Spirit and not human origin. And James, you have to get a handle on this. James is not talking about faith as if it was of a human origin. In 1 Corinthians 12, say verses 7 and 9, it describes the faith that lives in James chapter 2. It says, now to many are given manifestations of the Spirit. And then it says, and to one the manifestation of faith. This living faith that new covenant believers have to understand about lives inside of us and it manifests itself through us. And those are what are considered the works of that faith. Remember he said there's saving faith in not saving faith. There's dead faith and living faith. Well, the faith that lives and saves, it can manifest itself. And that's what they're talking about 
as works. When the faith manifests itself, it does two different, it does many different things. It does two different things in Rahab and Abraham, the two people that are being used as an illustration of living faith. So but, they were a, a manifestation of the faith, which was a fruit of the spirit. It was a, it was evidence of the Spirit of God working in them. Yeah, yeah. It's like... You, and they just happen to have different times that it manifested. One dip, immediately, Rahab. Yeah. And the other took 30-some years. 30-something years. And both, we, both were manifestations of faith, which is what James is talking about. Yes, yes. And we have to look... we got to do a redneck Greek Bible study of this word um, faith, faith, faith faith that is dead dead faith it is the Greek word nekros Bill and I got to get you to help me out with the with the red Greek but as you know because you've got it there in front of you nekros the Greek word is usually the word used for dead that's where you get necromancers and necrophilia and things like that. Fear of the dead. It's true that the first definition of necros usually means dead, and that's why they put it in there as dead faith. But those definitions go on to describe it in a couple of other different ways, and I think if we use the third way that it's Used for necros. For necros. Yeah. Um, if we go down to letter C. Letter C. Go it ahead. It is Bill. actually dormant or inoperative. Yeah, does say that too. Dormant or inoperative. In other words, the translators went with the first definition of necros, which would be dead, when they should have gone with the third definition of necros, which is to be inoperative or dormant. Then, once you realize that it can define itself that way, to James 2.14 and following makes all the sense in the world. The, the whole thing unknots itself right there. Yeah. So would you say, Steve, it's dormant can mean, or doesn't mean it's not there? It just means it's... It's there, but it's dormant. The living faith... And that's why Jesus could say, Abraham never wavered in faith. He grew strong in faith. He always believed and never doubted in everything because God was looking at the faith that was in Abraham that we couldn't see. It was dormant to us. And this word justified by works is not justified in God's eyes because in God's eyes, no one will be justified by works lest they boast. Yeah, that, that same thought is in Galatians 2.16. For by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. That's in God's eyes. No flesh will be justified. You hear point blank from Galatians 2.16. And also, I think he just alluded to boasting in the flesh. Right. Comes out of Romans 4.1 and 2. What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? 
For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But not before God. Do you see how relevant that is to the James 2.14 and following passage? Because there it was saying, you're justified by works. You're justified by works, but you're justified by works to the people around you but not before God, lest any man boast. He says it three times in Galatians 2.15. Yes. Knowing this, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, so we too have turned from the works of the law that we might live by the faithfulness of Christ, knowing this, that by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Three times he, he three, says it. Three times he says, you're not going to be justified in God's eyes by works of your human nature. It's not going to happen. James is not talking about it either. James is not talking when he says, and Abraham was justified by works when he offered up his son. He was not talking about being justified in God's eyes by works. He was talking about being justified in the people around him. And that's the same thing that happens to us. When you do good works, the people around you will justify you. They will say you are a righteous dude. And that's by the faith of God that lives in you manifesting itself. When it manifests itself, you walk straight and upright and you are a pleasure to be around. And people will say, this guy is justified, but not God. We were never talking about God in James 2.14 and following. So we're talking about faith as a gift of the Spirit versus our faith that is none. It's it, worthless. It, it's dead. It's dead. And then he gives two illustrations in the book of James. Yes. Rahab, who you mentioned, was the fruit of that faith was manifest. Yeah, immediately manifest. Yes, in what she did. In what she did, yes. The works that she did, which were go lie to uh, another country. Go lie to the people of another country. And won't, won't you get killed for lying? Isn't lying a commandment that you're breaking? Her work was <laughs> to lie. Is. Her work was to lie, and God did not seem to mind. God did not say, Rahab, Rahab, what are you doing? I'm going to save these people in a different way. You don't need to, to lie to them. That, that would be a sin. Right. He wasn't her interested work was in a her, sin. Her work was a sin. Lying is false a, witness. Yes. Punishable by death. Yes. She, but let's see. We're talking about manifesting the faith of God. Yes. The faithfulness of God. Or we could say activating the faith of God, because that is what Necros, the third definition is. It's dormant. If you read James 2.14 and following saying faith, faith without works is dormant, it's not doing anything, and faith with works is active, then the passage begins to make sense, and it's good news. It's euangelion. It is. And you know what blows my mind, Steve? Mm. 
Rahab, think back to the promise yes. that was given to Abraham. Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll give you the seed and I'll make your name great. So we see the seed. Turns out yeah. two million people. Yeah. And Rahab is acting, Rahab's act of lying to the Philistines or whoever they were battling, yeah. Yeah. Was a manifestation of God making Abraham's name great. It was. It was God doing his that, thing. And it acted immediately. It worked. It, it worked. According to God's purpose, it acted immediately in Rahab. According to God's purpose, it took 36 years for Abraham to give us that type and shadow of God offering his son for us, because that's what Abraham did. He produced a type and shadow of what God was going to do for us. Just an illustration. Yeah. So the the name of God was so much greater, was greater than the fear of what could happen to her. Yes. Because that's cool. Yeah. And it was all credited to God. Because faith was making her believe that. And it was an instant manifestation. An instant activation. Yeah. Manifestation, activation. Abraham's is, what, 30-some years you said now? 36 years before. It was dormant for 36 years. There is no record of any activity of the Spirit in Abraham for 36 years. You, you might be able to say there was a little bit of activity when he offered the tithe to Melchizedek. But other than that, Abraham's faith was dormant. And that's why it is so important to understand that that cross means dormant also. And that in this passage, that is what James is saying. Faith is dormant until it activates. So her lying, it wasn't the work of her lying. It was the work of the faithfulness of God bringing about a response that she believed. He made her believe that the God who was going to make Abraham's name great was doing it. And it superseded her fear of men. And it gave her courage beyond belief as it activated in her immediately when she heard the story and it caused her to lie to her own people which you know is a sin actually but it was okay by god because the works are irrelevant it active was... faith can show itself any way it wants in her it showed as a lie in Abraham, it showed it as showed almost it. murder. It showed as a lie. It's actually the courage that no human can work up in themselves. Can't do it. She demonstrated. Yeah. And Abraham demonstrated that because he gave his wife away because he, he had no courage. Correct. So Rahab's courage came from the faithfulness of God's purpose and plan. According to his eternal purpose, God activated faith in Rahab and she showed great courage, which is that beyond human 
capabilities. Beyond human capabilities, because that is the illustration James chose to show us that it immediately activated in contrast to Abraham, which took 36 years to activate. See, James is harmonizing perfect. Once you understand that we're talking about a living faith, a manifestation of the Spirit. Faith is a manifestation of the Spirit, according to James. That's how he uses it. And he says it can be active. And he shows an illustration of it being active 36 years later and an illustration of it being active 36 minutes later. Yes. And this faith is not a work of the flesh. No. You know, faith was required under the law. It was was a work of the flesh. Faith was a work of the flesh that was required. It was called, he he rebuked the Pharisees and says, you tithe on your spices, but you ignored the weightier matters of the law. And one of them was faith. Faith, right. Human faith. Right. But they couldn't produce a, a human faith that was anywhere near what was produced in Rahab. Yes. That has to be the faithfulness of God. By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So even if that faith was required under the law, it didn't justify them. Mm -mm. Because through the works of the law, no one will be justified. No. So this has to be not faith produced by human effort. Right. Not human faith at all. God wants to activate the faith just like God activated faith in Paul when he fell off his horse and was blinded. Yeah, persecuting the church. And that is what James is saying, is that in the book of James, it's telling you that you have to wait on God to work through you. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, exchange their strength and ride on the wings of eagles. And that's what the book of James is kind of ultimately about. If you understand the thesis statement in James, which is 1-3, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith, your faith is going to be tested, whether it's the living faith living in you, becoming active, or your human dead faith being active and you're acting like a yahoo again. He says that's what the trials bring out. They bring out a test that proves whether God's activity is going off in you or human activity is is ruling the day. So it's not testing your faith to see whether it's good or bad. No. It's testing the faith. If it'll manifest itself. Which which kind it is, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Of God or of man? Yes. And that's why James uses the illustration of Abraham and Rahab. So we haven't gotten to Abraham yet, whose faith was the faithfulness of Christ in him was dormant so far. Until age 116, when he brought his son up on the mountain, having faith that God would provide some sacrifice for him that faith was active or bringing back to life or bringing back to life and the faith was act 
active and it gave him enough courage to do what he had to do. And then God showed the ram in the thicket and said, this is just an illustration of what I'm going to do for my son. But the reason I had you, Father Abraham, do such a wacko thing is because it's going to become abundantly clear 2,000 years later that I was just talking about what I'm going to do with my son. Yes. John 3.16, probably the most quotable verse. Yeah. Probably the verse everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Football players, anyway. <laughs> Always wanted that ministry to go yeah. around the Super Bowls and yeah. hold up the John 3.16. Yeah. If they just pay you to do that, huh? It would be great. That would be great. But John 3.16 has been used to avoid judgment. This is is a verse that you use to avoid judgment. And you know what John 3.17 says? I know. He's not coming to judge, but to save. Yeah. So John 3.16 is, it's an equation. It's, It's actually saying, I love you this much that I sent my one and only son that was pictured when Abraham had to do it. Right. Abraham lived in a society where I, apparently they did that. They would sacrifice their children. It was right. a pe- pagan. 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 Yeah. yeah. But God told Abraham to do something he never intended for Abraham to do. And it was the same thing. It's a picture of law and grace. God gave them the covenant of law to justify them, but he was never intending to justify anyone by the works of the law. He was His purpose was to show that through the works of the law, no one can be justified. Well said, Bill. Well said. And there's a principle there. Abraham was told to slay Isaac, picture of the law, but then he was told a second time, do not slay Isaac. I will provide. Picture of grace. So the key to knowing whether you're living by grace or the Spirit is are you listening to what God is saying now? If we go back to the law, you're still living by the covenant that God never intended anyone to be justified. And it's going to produce dead works, which the purpose to show those dead works was to show them that no one could justify them. Right. But we would be justified by the faithfulness of Christ. Yep, and we're justified in front of our friends by the faithfulness of Christ in us to live that exemplary life that we need to live in front of our friends. And we've already been justified by God. We're just waiting on manifestations of his faithfulness. Exactly. It's a cool message that James is talking about because then it goes in to talk about the farmer plants and weights and everything about waiting. And waiting is a key. Yeah. Abraham waited for 36 years for God to manifest himself. But God, the, every day you wake up, you still have hope that God has something amazing planned to do through you. Something just amazing. It could all start tomorrow. And you are the one chosen for God to set thousands of people free or something like that. And you will live a model Christian life when 
he's active in you and you will do everything that he has purposed before the world began for you to do and you will get a good grade from God for what Jesus is doing through you. An A plus. A plus. And that's what we're doing here. We're we're waiting on a manifestation of his spirit. And the spirit is manifesting itself in a bunch of cool different ways. I mean we share had, some of those if you yeah, don't we, we have a hundred downloads in three days for a ministry that's just getting off the ground that's pretty cool it means that people are wanting to listen to the podcast and that that's the first element of this ministry that we need to flourish really so i was stoked because we started out so grassroots i mean we just put it out there and got one download when (laughs) we first started and We started trying to tell people about things, but it seems to be blossoming. At least I'm encouraged by it. I am too. And just to, and you got a report of different places that it's being downloaded. Yeah, it shows a map of the world, and we've got people listening in Russia, in Africa, South America, Canada, big bunch in, in the United States. They're coming in the UK, India, had quite a few downloads. Somebody got turned on to the Guardians of Grace in India. I don't know who it was, but we thank you out there. We thank you for what you're doing. I'm meeting with these guys. I'm still trying to get, you know, the better intros going, get more bells and whistles for the program. Get those guard dog badges. Out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we've got about 15 people that have earned a guard dog badge. Earned a guard dog badge, they're, yeah. They're on their way. What else? Oh, let me let me think. Our web page needs a lot of work to it. So I'm going to have this guy do some cool things to the web page. Hopefully it'll become a lot better. And we've got the one guy who's getting us on Instagram and everything and Pinterest. And he's going to be socially managing the Facebook page too. Which needs work. Which which needs an awful lot of work. I'm psyched about what I think might happen to our GoDaddy. That's our guardinggrace.com page. It needs some work. And I saw where it can link to all these things. It can link to the podcast and then to everything out there. And, and I want to try and get this guy to do it. Yeah, we, we, we didn't raise any money this month, but we, we still got plenty of money to put into it. Lord's been providing for us. So that's good. He's been faithful. Yeah, he's, he's faithful to his plan. I just hope we bear some fruit in those what we, we call them in, in those areas. Yeah. And pull it together and it becomes better and better. I know we're thinking about getting some other sound equipment to make the quality of the podcast come through a little clearer. And we've got actually the program with 30,000 sound effects. We just haven't learned how to use it yet. 
Some of those could be funny. We could do some funny stuff with that. I see nothing but good room to grow. <laughs> good room to grow. Good room to go. And what's most encouraging is that everybody's listening. Yeah. That's amazing that they'd want to hear two people with broken brains. And so keep those questions coming in. Put them on Facebook, anywhere. Yes. Our, our website. You can email. And we're trying to get better places for you to be able to ask these questions and stuff. And I, it was like I had a snag with somebody sent in a comment. And my pod being the place that we handles our podcast says you can't respond to that comment on an Apple computer. You've got to use a phone or something else. So it just left me not being able to respond to that comment. And I don't want people to think that we're rude. It's just technical problems that we're having. And what a pleasure it is to have these problems. We, we wouldn't be having problems if we weren't growing. So they're not problems, they're challenges. Yeah, challenges is a better the word. A better word. I'm, I'm psyched. Love it. Love you guys. Shall we close in prayer? Yeah. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you've just given us an opportunity to have a Guardians of Grace podcast. Thank you that it's your word that's being podcast. It's your word that's changing lives. It's, your, it's the word of grace, the goodness and kindness of you, Father God, that, that changes people's lives. We're just thankful, Father God, that you've given us a platform, but we're thankful, but we're also dependent on you, Father God, because you make all this happen. And our prayer is that what we shared today on the podcast would not be intellectual information about James and Paul and the book of Romans, but it, it would be actually life, life to you to you guys to us it is life to us and thank you that Steve and I learn as we're doing the podcast so we're, we're learning together we're growing together but it's you that causes the growth and that's that's what we're asking for right now Father use these words to cause our faith to grow so that we would manifest the faith and the faithfulness of your spirit in us in Jesus name Amen Love you guys. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.